Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Well, I am so ready to get started because I have a guest today that's going to give you some very interesting information. Aaron Bodsford learned very early on that money buys choices. Now, that sounds kind of greedy, but that's not at all what her story is about. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's coming from a heart of helping. So let me set this up a little bit with you before you meet my friend Aaron. Um, When she was just 11 years old, her father died, and he left his wife and six children with a life insurance policy of a whopping $10,000. And she will tell you that they went from a kind of a middle-income family to poverty overnight, and everyone went to work to make ends meet. And then a tragedy hit Erin when she was 16. She was in a car accident. She was driving and hit a motorcycle, and he died. And Aaron was charged with involuntary manslaughter, if you can only imagine. That's when she found out how important she would tell you money is when you have to defend yourself, which I'll let her tell you about. Well, her faith sustained her and her family and her background of poverty and tragedy actually helped her start what um, became a very, very well-known nationally financial planning organization called the Botsford Financial Group. As Simon Sinek says in his book, Start With Why, she knew the why to begin that business from the very beginning. So now let me welcome Erin to the show this morning. Thank you, Valerie. It's so fun to be here with you. It is fun to be here with you, too. And we had a great conversation ahead of time, as I always do with the guests. I'm going to shut up, and I just want you to go back to those young years that impacted you the rest of your life and thousands of other people around the world. What happened? Well, like you said, um, when I was 11, my father died, and uh, he had just moved us out from, we were in Illinois, he just moved us out to San Diego. He was getting ready to open a clinic for early childhood education, Hmm. but life got cut short, and so he died on Valentine's Day um, in front of my mother and all six of us, and so we kind of got stuck out in California um, because he only left my mom $10,000 in a life insurance policy, and so... You know, she. The, the interesting thing about that is, I always tell people, I didn't just lose my dad that day. I, I also lost my mom because my mm. mother, back then, my mother had never worked outside the home. She had six kids to raise. Yeah. And so she then had to go get a, a part-time job. And so all of us, literally, there was no such thing as food stamps back then. And she got $88 a month in Social Security for me, $88 for my sister, and $234 for herself. So that's what she tried to sustain Mm. our family on and so all of us had to go to work and when we got home 
I got to babysit. I had this wonderful couple. She was a nurse. He was a, a banker. And for some whatever reason, they were out five or six nights a week doing whatever they did. And they paid me a whopping dollar an hour. And so <laughs> most of my friends were getting 25 cents an hour. Boys out dating me. But um, so we, I would come home and we just put it on the table. And that's how mother paid the bills. And so... As you said, I mean, I didn't know any different. I This was just my life, you know? And I remember my mother telling me one thing, though. She said, honey, I, I can't help you. You're going to have to get good grades. You're going to have to do whatever you can to get ahead in this world because I have no ability to help you. Mm. So my answer was, okay, be smart. And I was smart, and I got a you know 4.0 in, in high school. And then, as you said, this tragedy happened. I was on my way to work at McDonald's. I'd finally gotten a real job, you know, other than babysitting, because I was 16. I was driving my sister's car. I couldn't afford a car. And so I was on my way to work at McDonald's, and I hit a guy on a motorcycle, and mm. he was killed. Mm. And, um, I mean, that whole story has so many legs, it's unbelievable. But suffice it to say, it just turned our entire family upside down. And um, we went to meet with this man who called himself an attorney, I'd, I'd never met a man in a business suit. My father was a teacher. He didn't, I never saw a man in a suit. And he said to my mother, and I'll never forget these words. Of course I won't. He said, Mrs. McGowan, this is purely a matter of economics. If oh. your daughter will just plead guilty to these charges, I'll be happy to enter the plea at no cost. And she'll get whatever sentence the state of California hands down. But if you want to defend your daughter, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Now, Valerie, if you can mm. imagine being my mother, and I'm so sensitized to this because I have three grandchildren right now and my own son, my mother literally picked up, she stood up, she picked up her purse, she shook the man's hand, and she said, okay, my daughter will plead guilty. Oh, Aaron, I can't know. Who can imagine that? Well, I tell people, you know, I, I literally did have an out-of-body experience. Because, I mean, my mother just said, I'm going to plead guilty to killing someone. And even though I was only 16, I mean, talk about feeling out of control. I had no control over that edict, you know. And I'm, like, screaming and begging, and I'm crying. And, Mom, please don't make me plead guilty. I'm a good girl. I'm a 4.0 student. It was an accident. I'm so sorry. And imagine being my mother and looking at me and saying, honey, I'm so sorry. We have no money, and therefore we have no choice. And I always tell people, that is the day that I learned that money buys you choices or the lack thereof. And, you know, the good news is we went home. My mother, she basically dragged me out of this place. We went home and my older brothers and sisters were talking about me like I wasn't there. And they're like, Mom, we can't let her plead guilty to killing somebody. She'll be screwed up for the rest of her life. And so thank God, my older brother, Tim, he was all of 22 at the time. The wisdom in my family was 22. <laughs> he had started his real estate career. And the only good thing my mother had done with my dad's 10000 she took $2,000 and she bought a home. And so my brother said, let's take a second mortgage. I don't know what a second mortgage was against this house. Let's pay for Aaron's defense, which we did. And we went to trial and found out, no, it was not my fault. I was at the wrong place at the wrong time. This kid had, he was 18. He'd borrowed the motorcycle that morning. He'd never ridden before. He was going 47 miles an hour in a 25 mile an hour zone. I was going 17, but it took a lot of money. The problem is there was no witnesses. So we had to hire a professional company to measure skid marks and all of that stuff. So, mm. so I remember the judge saying you know, to my mom, take this little girl home, she's been through enough. But then right after the criminal trial, guess what happened? What? <laughs> of course, the family of the young man sued my mom and me for a, just a ridiculous amount of money. And, you know, my mom, 
did not handle this. I, I shouldn't say I, she didn't handle it well. Who's going to handle something like this well? She said to me when the civil trial came or the civil lawsuit came, <laughs> I remember her looking at me, and this is not funny, but it's true. She looked at me and she said, well, you know, because of you, we may have to pitch a tent on the high school football field because she thought we were going to lose the only asset she had, which was our home. So anyway, you know, long story short, we got through that. The good news is Allstate came and, you know, our insurance company came in to defend me. They were going to pay for this trial. And I remember the woman looking at me and saying, I've got a real problem here. She goes, all the evidence points to the fact that, you know, he hit you, you didn't hit him. Mm -hmm. She said, but you, I've got to figure out how I'm going to put you on the stand because right now you believe you killed that child. That boy, and and she was right, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I it, I went into a deep, deep, dark time in my life. I tell people I tried to commit suicide not once but twice, and I couldn't even do that well. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, I the, the one time I tried it, I was like, I mean, when you're 16, you have no money or stupid whatever. So I filled up the bathtub with water, and I took the blow dryer, and I thought I'll turn the blow dryer on and electrocute myself. Well, all it did was it seized up the blow dryer. My mother got mad and made me go, you know, take money out and, and buy a new blow dryer. I mean, she just didn't handle She didn't see the signs. You know, back then it was like, if anything's wrong, you just put it under the carpet and mm. you don't talk about it. I mean, that was the way life back then for my family was. Mm. You just move on. And, you know, I guess I will say this. In a way, that was good. I, I wasn't allowed to wallow in my self-pity. It, I had to go back to work. I mean, two days later, I'm back to work at McDonald's. Because that, that's the way life was. There mm. was no time for self-pity or mm. we needed to put, still we need to put food on the table, right? So I don't know if that's good or bad, but here I'll just tell you the rest of the story. The really cool thing about this whole thing is the way my husband, <laughs> the way my husband noticed me is we were in high school together. We had one class, Algebra two Trig, and the first day I ever saw him, I fell madly in love with him. I didn't know who he was, and I didn't even know his name, but I thought he was the most handsome man I'd ever seen in my life. I hope he's watching. Oh, I hope so. Well, he will, I promise. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, but he had another girlfriend, didn't know who I was, until this car accident happened, and my picture was on the front page of the newspaper. And he goes, oh, my gosh, that girl's in my algebra class. <laughs> so, you know, he noticed me, and we started dating. And, you know, he I have to say to Valerie, he, he dated some very damaged goods. But here was God's provision in all of this. He ended up becoming an Air Force officer, you know, went to college, got a commission, and we got to move. And we moved 17 times in the first 14 years we were married. And I say that that's the best thing that ever happened because every time we moved, I got to reinvent myself. Yes. And I never, truthfully, I never spoke of any of this Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was just Aaron, you know, this time Aaron Botsford, right? And and I just got to be this young, happy girl. Mm. And uh, so that really saved my life, I think. And so I, I go back and I tell people that excuse me, I never wanted to talk about it mm-hmm. until I, I got into this business and it was crazy. So I started in 1989. In 1992, by that time I'd been in business three years and you know I'm struggling a lot, but I had this family, this couple come in and they had just, the man had just retired from a big pharmaceutical company. And they were very, very um, concerned. I would say they were very upset because he had all of his retirement, they had plans, they had four kids, they were gonna just go travel the world, but their son had hit somebody on a motorcycle. Oh dear. There we <laughs> go again. You were there. And I was like, 
Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. No, 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 no. We're not going there. We're not going there. I had buried that and oh. I didn't want it to come out. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I mean, it was just, I was shaking. And it was the first time that I ever told my story. And when I told it to mm -hmm. them, I said, well, you know, I understand how that all, I, I know how that feels. I know what your son's going through. And they're like, yeah. And I told my story. And I mean, I swear to you, I thought they were gonna leap across the table and just hug me. And it was, it was really cathartic for both of us. And what I realized was everybody in life goes through issues and problems and crap, you yeah. know? And in my business, I'm dealing with people's money, right? And, and what I realized was people wanna deal with real live people that have gone through stuff. And mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I saw a lot of my competitors, they wanted to show up in the business suit with the fancy pen and, <laughs> And what people really want to work with is real live people who have gone through some things and come out on the other side, you know? And I learned a lot by that. And from that day forward, I have told my story to every person that's ever been in a position to decide whether they want to work with me or not. Because I'll tell them, I said, you know, I went through crap. Yeah. And I tell people that then, you know, Bob and I got married and uh, <laughs> a lot of people, think this is kind of funny but you know he he asked me to marry him and of course the bride's parents are supposed to pay for the wedding well my mother had no more money then than she did when, you know when I was going through the hard time so I tell people I did what every self-respecting young bride would do that lived in Southern California I went on the wheel of fortune and I won oh my so, goodness yeah I know well my friend Marie I mean she found out Bob and I were engaged and she said hey Wheel of Fortune's doing tryouts for Brides Week. And I'm like, well, let's go try out. Perfect. And so I got on and the puzzle I solved, I solved the big puzzle and the puzzle I solved was down in the dumps. Oh, so, interesting. Um, so the cool thing was by the time I was 21, 22, I had saved between savings, my winnings, I'd saved $22,000. That's a and lot And I had money. paid off the, the loan for my defense. I mm. mean, I was just a workaholic, right? Mm. I had to be, there was no choice. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get ahead. And so I took $3,000 when I was 21, something like that. And I bought my first condo in Southern California with a friend of mine. And that worked out great. We owned it for 14 years. I gave the other $19,000 to a stockbroker and he lost all of it for me in about six months time. <laughs> my goodness, what preparation to build a business yeah. of financial planning. Well, huh? you know, that experience was like, okay, that sucked, okay? And I said, <laughs> You know, he lost, and, and he didn't even apologize. I mean, he knew whatever he put us in was so inappropriate. You know, in hindsight, my gosh, it was so inappropriate for us. So I, I thought, you know what? As I was the Scarlet O'Hare, I'm going to pull out my big girl panties <laughs> and say, as God is my witness, that is never going to happen to me or anybody else I care about. And I do know that that propelled me into the 30-year career that I had. Where, I mean, I. I manage money for people like it was mine because mm. I know what it feels like to lose That's money. That's why you're successful, Erin. <laughs> Real. So, you know, what? it is what it is. And, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> what? Well, and, he, and you're not even stopping. So, all right. Wow. That, that background to pull out of it, number one, and then 
obviously there was a big plan for you because you started the Botsford Group and for those of you listening you can Google her she has done extremely well she's known on talk shows on CNN and MSNBC and she's been on Fortune uh, magazine and one of Barron's on Barron's list how many times lots, I lots, of, uh, times, lots yeah. of times so extremely successful and now you are doing something a little different what mm -hmm. are you doing now well what I and I, what I did was I merged my company with another firm um, two years ago and I still do some business development for my old firm but I like to do big deals and so I've been able to do that and and so I had a lot of time on my hands. So I wrote a book. It's called Seven Figure Firm, How to Build a Financial Services Business That Grows Itself. So That's long title, but it's been really fun. And so now what I've done also, I, I've created an online course to teach financial advisors because I will say this in my industry, Valerie, um, so much of the training gets done at industry conferences. And so you go for three days and you're just pummeled with information and you go home and you're almost paralyzed right you don't end up acting Overload. on anything yeah mm -hmm. the other thing that financial advisors as a whole are just terrible business people and i will go back to 35 40 years ago when i got in the business 30 some years ago um it was mostly these big name firms that wanted people like us to be their salespeople. okay sure so we got a lot of sales training mm -hmm. well the industry has has evolved and now we can go independent and we can actually own our own companies. I owned my company and when I merged it with another firm, I got a very large check for doing so, right? Well, you know, the industry hasn't caught up in terms of training for how do you, like I said, I was telling you earlier that I have, my, I have there's actually five entire courses in this system that I built. And a lot of this is appropriate to anybody that's going into business. The first whole thing is on the mindset of achievement. Now, you have to realize everything I went through, I kind of understand the psychology of getting through crappy times and no achieving, kidding. right? And mm -hmm. what you have to do to go from one place to another. And that's sort of a universal topic. It's not only to my industry. No. The second one is all on marketing and prospecting. That's a whole course on, I talk about nine ways that I used to use to bring in new business. That's pretty universal as well, right? I could use that. We all could. <laughs> and I always had people, I always said, you know, do three things at one time, you know, uh, in concert. And so I loved, you know, doing that course and writing the book. The third one is all about, I call it my secret sauce. And it's exactly what I would say to people when they were in front of me to get them to say yes to taking my recommendations. A lot of that's universal too. You know, I talk about people will not change what they're doing you know, the, the two emotions that you have to tackle are the emotions of fear and greed, mm. right? And so greed is a very difficult emotion to deal with. Uh, fear is actually a lot easier to deal with. And so we talk a lot about that in the psychology of the sale. And then I, part of my course is all on teaching an assistant. So many people in this business, in all businesses, they're doing, especially when you're a small business, mm -hmm. the owner is doing so much of the work of the business. In, in the, the business. In the business. You mm -hmm. know, I, I love Michael Gerber's E-Myth Revisited. It was my business Bible, you know. And um, so I talk a lot about that. And then the last is, is all about setting up systems and processes. I hated that. You mm -hmm. know, I, I hated having to create systems and processes in the business because it was details. <laughs> I'm not really not a detailed person. No, but I, I figured out how to make that happen. And uh -huh. I'll tell you this. I think this was an interesting story. 
I wanted so badly to have systems and processes in my business, but I couldn't, I just couldn't sit down and go, okay, there's 14 steps to doing this, right? <laughs> I did, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm so ADD, I didn't to have the time choir. to do it. Yeah. So it turns out one of my assistants, bless her heart, her husband got brain cancer. Mm-hmm. And after a couple of years, she, had, she stayed home with him from January and then he died on Easter Sunday. And I paid her the entire time. And I said, well, Lori, you know, you're, you're at home and I'm struggling because I only had like one or two other people. And I'm, I didn't even know how, how do we send birthday cards out? I mean, I had no idea how to do that. And so I said, would you mind um, just sitting by his bed and typing up? So I would ask her questions. And so this is such a good piece of advice. Hmm. If you have people working for you, is what you do is you ask questions. How do, where do we find, po- where do we get postage? Where do we buy the birthday cards? How do we send the birthday cards? And I would ask the questions and she would just type up the steps. And then I hired a college intern and it was a friend of mine. Uh, her son was, couldn't find a job right after going to UT. And I said, okay, Andy, if you can, here's the steps. If you can follow these steps and send out a birthday card, then we have a system. And that's how we got it done. That's so, so basic. Isn't that funny? That's so how do we place a trade? I mean, I didn't know how to do that. I had people that did that. And so by the time she came back, I had my entire systems and process manual done. Now we've had to update it because we've made you know technology changes and stuff. Uh-huh. But here's another really cool tip. Every time I hire a new person, mm-hmm. Okay, as they go through training and they're learning how to place trades, they're learning how to do whatever, in their first year that they're with me, mm-hmm. they must update that systems and process manual so that it's always current. Fresh. New. And that's what their quarterly bonuses are based on making sure that that systems and process notebook or manual is all online now is, is, is working and fresh. So anyway. Well, you know, I love what you're talking about in terms of you just, I, all right, I'm surprised that here you were in financial planning and didn't know how to do some of those things. I think people assume that if you start a business, you know how to do all these things or, hey, now I can go on the internet and I can download templates and all of that. And that's not what it's about. I had to find that out just in in doing this podcast, right? I had to come up with, I guess I have like 10 templates now, but how to organize every step of it. It's really pretty basic. It's common sense. So I think that's a great tip to, to yeah. tell people. And speaking of tips, let me just tell you now, and I'll tell you at the end as well. I always, as my listeners know, I ask guests to leave pearls of wisdom. I call them teachable, teachable points of view. Because if you're not teaching other people to be better, then what are we here for? Yeah. So what are your points of view that you've, you've, uh, you've learned the hard way, the good way, whatever way? So Aaron wrote a little booklet, Nuggets of Wisdom, and kindly, kindly, she has offered this to you. All you have to do is go to my, my email. Just send me an email, Valerie at ValerieAndCompany.com. And through Erin, she's giving me the opportunity to send it to you. So we'll, we'll mention that at the end, too. <clears throat> so, Erin, here you are, again, very successful. Now you've sold the business. Mm-hmm. you got that big check. You've started this other uh, aspect of helping other advisors be better at what they do with all your wisdom. And then you said something to me I'd like to go to. You said, right now, Valerie, my passion is feeding kids. 
Mm-hmm. How? What's that about? Okay. Well, um, Bob and I have been have had the really good fortune to go on five different safaris in Africa, and on one of them, in two thousand and nine, I think it was ten years ago, <coughs> as sort of a cultural experience, our the the tour guide took us to this orphanage in Zambia. It's called the Ebenezer Foundation. And there were there they were there was we walked into this room and there was 40 babies in 20 cribs. And you know Zambia got hit really hard with AIDS. They had 1.4 million out of like 7 million people die of AIDS. So there's so mm. many babies and children. So it turned out at the time this orphanage had about 53 55 orphans and then they have a school where they teach another 450 children local children so they have the baby house the toddler house a girl's house a boy's house a school and a 40 acre farm interestingly enough it was all started by this one woman named ranji chara she had come over to zambia in 2000 with her husband who was a medical doctor and they'd come from sri lanka which is a very poor country as well so here, Ms. Dr. Chara comes over, and his patient count in Zambia is like 2 million patients, you know, lots of people oh. right there in Livingston in that area. So Ranji went to the grocery store one day, and a grocery store there is kind of like a hovel. I mean, it would be the worst place that you would ever see in the U.S. And she came out, and there was all these cardboard boxes laying on the ground, and they started moving. And she's like, oh, my gosh. And so she picked up one, and there these little 2- and 3-year-old children came out. And she's like horrified like where are your parents well they don't have any so she was like oh my gosh so she went back into the rest or into the hovel the grocery store and she bought one bag of rolls she comes out and she gave it to the oldest child who whistled and like dozens more of these children came out so she didn't know what she was going to do but ranji was a teacher by trade Mm -hmm. from sri lanka so she just told these kids meet her under this tree this is in 2000 and every day she would buy them some rolls. I mean, that's all these kids subsisted on. She had one friend of hers from Sweden. Her name was Kristen. She called her, she contacted Kristen, sent her $300 in 2000. From 2000 to 2009, I mean, somehow she had raised enough money with, and she, to have built this toddler home, the baby home, the boys home, the girls home, a chapel, a, a school that educates 450 children and a 40-acre farm. Imagine, oh I mean, talk, any of you who are struggling in business, yeah. I mean, think about that with nothing. And she was so passionate about this. And so we, when we saw it and these children, they just are starving for touch, for human touch. When you walk into a, a room and there's 40 babies and none of them are crying, it is bizarre. I mean, they don't cry because there's there's no point in it. Nobody's coming to pick them up. I know, it's crazy. Mm. So Bob and I, now it's time to leave. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I started asking questions of Ranji, this woman, and I found out the entire budget for all of that was about $400,000. And I thought, oh my gosh, for all of this? And I thought, Bob and I could have a huge impact on that. So since then, um, you know, through the business, through we have been very large supporter of that and we have gotten other donors we don't ever want it to be completely dependent on us what happens you know if something happens to us and so but i have been very committed for the last 10 years and so i'll give you a little story um about 2015 i guess it was and um i got asked to give eight speeches in the industry now think about it back then i was just building my own firm and it's like why would i want to train my competitors and but (laughs) 
but I felt like I should. I mean, I should give back to the industry that allowed me to be so successful. But they wanted me to give eight speeches, and they were going to pay me like ten thousand dollars for a speech. But it's never, as you know, it's never, a, it's never an hour speech. It's a day to travel there, yes. a day to you know, a, a day to give the speech. It's three days out of it's your three life. Three days. I said to Bob, "Oh my gosh, you know what? For ten thousand dollars, I can pick up the phone and call a client and make that. I mean, I don't want to do that." But all of a sudden, I thought, I went to him and I said, "Well, what if, what if every time I give a speech or whatever, what if?" Um, we give half of that money to the orphanage. And he goes, oh my gosh, that would be great. So suddenly, for whatever reason, now I had a purpose to get on the plane. It's all about purpose. It was all about, it's all about purpose. Mm -hmm. What is your purpose? And mm -hmm. so what was interesting, and I believe in God and the universe and whatever, but two weeks before I went to give my first speech, I had an idea. The last slide that I put up, <laughs> I said, why don't you come spend the day with me and my team? And I was going to charge people $3,000 advisors. I had 18 people sign up. I mean, that's how much they wanted to be with a Barron's top 100 firm. How does she do it? What, is, yeah, what does it look sure. like, right? Mm -hmm. And so since then, 2015, every quarter, we've had between 15 and 20 advisors come in, pay $3,000 a piece, and half of all that money go, has gone to the orphanage, which is awesome. And the really cool thing, Valerie, as people are struggling like with the next step, I always say it'll come to you in the middle of the night. Mm. I had something come to me at four o'clock this morning. It's going to be fun. But um, so people are coming to my office and I find out that all of them generally have the same issues. It's five issues. It's 12 issues. So what I was doing was I also, when they would leave, they also got two hours of time with any member of my team. So, I mean, because they'd already heard from me, they were me, they need to know how do I build a team around me. Mm -hmm. And so I gave them two hours of time, mm -hmm. but they had to submit their questions ahead of time. Because mm -hmm. you know what? I realized if, I, if they would submit their questions, then I could create content out of that. Oh, now that's smart. Right? Well, you just gave me an idea. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so that's how the online uh -huh. course, because I thought, you know what? I can only hold 15 to 20 advisors uh -huh. in my room. Mm -hmm. How do I leverage this? How do I, how do I teach more advisors what I know? Because mm -hmm. our industry, like I said, it, the training is terrible and woefully lacking. And so it's been so much fun how, to see how one idea about giving half of the money to the orphanage and then being willing to give these speeches and then putting up one slide and having 18 people. I mean, when I came home, I said to my team, oh my gosh, we have 18 people coming. We gotta come up with something. I had no curriculum. <laughs> we just started so, a new arm. My, that's the thing. And so the other thing I wanna encourage people is don't wait to get started. In whatever you're gonna do, just start. Yes. You know, I, I had, and I had a friend of mine, her name was Donna, I won't say her last name. We got into the business at the same time. After a year, she was just, she, she was getting ready to get ready to get ready to get ready to get ready. Yeah. Oh, she wanted, back then we didn't have computers, believe it or not. But she, she was <laughs> like, she wanted, she had heard about these things called computers and she wanted to get herself all set up to go into business. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, by the end of the first year, I was well on my way. Mm -hmm. She never did, she never did make anything of the business. She failed out of it. Mm -hmm. So. I'm, to, I like, I'm not a, what is it, ready, aim, fire? Is that right I said? Yeah, no, I'm a ready, fire, aim. Right. Ready, ready fire, aim, adjust. Ready, fire, aim, adjust, That's right? Good. Just go do it. Yeah. So many people talk about, about what they're gonna do and they never do anything. That's that right there is just one big nugget of wisdom and I, in, in the coaching industry, 
uh, it's often, again, to your point, people will say, well, I think I want to do, or, and, and they're looking for often the magic time, the magic um, formula. But here's what's so cool, and I think this is why what you're doing now is so powerful. People want to learn, Aaron, from successful people. Mm-hmm. Because, as you said, and your success is way far and above most people's coming from way far and above most experiences. Mm-hmm. So that gives you a double whammy. But people do. We want to learn from other successful people. And I think that's also why executive coaching has has hit so big because people are seeking well i want to learn from someone that's been there done it everyone is seeking but back to the point is you got to start somewhere yeah and the other thing i'll tag on to from my experience is you're so right when you are on a path whatever that path is and it doesn't have to be a big deal at first Mm -mm. it can just be an idea but until you throw it out there and see if it grows if the dogs eat the dog food you're happy if it doesn't you adjust exactly you don't give up you adjust and as you do that i totally agree with you ideas will come Mm -hmm. you'll be somewhere you'll be asleep i had someone on the show a couple of weeks ago aaron a gentleman who is a fabulous architect in the city has a firm architectural firm and he said it's important to get rest because he said i get my best ideas mm-hmm. when i'm sleeping absolutely keep a notepad by your by your uh, bed right yeah absolutely you have just given us some some wonderful wonderful stories and encouragement and i do want to say this you know what mm-hmm. the thing about it is is like I don't know if this new business, this online course, I have no idea if it's going to be successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, to, the thing about it is, is, of course, I want it to be this successful. It may only be that. I don't, I don't know. But, you know, what is Tony Robbins? Somebody say people dis, they, they think that they can do so much in one year. What's the saying? But and they discount what can be accomplished over a three-year period, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, or they, they overestimate what you can do in one year and mm-hmm. way underestimate what you can do in a three-year period. And so many people yep. quit yes. before that three-year period. Yes. So I would say to anybody, you know, if you're going to start anything, any endeavor, if you're not going to commit for three years, don't do it at all. Good it's advice. Just like you three know your years. podcast and all that stuff. I would just say you three years. You can't even judge if it's going well. Mm-hmm. That's right. You can't because I've had equal number of failures. Okay, so we, we could spend another podcast talking about all <laughs> oh, my failures, but you know what? Failures—it's—it's it's not a. You know, what is this? It's not a destination. It's just you know, it just happened. I don't know. I'm, I'm terrible with my metaphors. <laughs> and fail fast, get up. Yeah, fail, fail fast, fast and get up. And get up. And I'm really lucky because I have a terrible memory, and I have a terrible memory of people who have wronged me, and uh, oh, it, it serves me well. Mm. Because I have a terrible memory about the failures that I've had too, right? So that's good. You can compartmentalize yeah. it and not dwell on it. I just let it, it go. Let, let it, it go. go. Lots of wisdom, Erin. Oh my goodness! And I don't want to bypass this. Her first book was *The Big Retirement Risk*, which is uh, on Amazon. And there are some really good things I will share with you, listeners. If you get this book, or if you go onto her website, which is the Bodsford Group. 
the advisory group, yeah, website on that one, and then the um, advisor authority on the other. So, the advisor yeah. authority on the other. Well, what I was going to tell you is you can download, and I did, there are some great templates mm -hmm. for anyone to download a checklist of how are you doing in, this one's about retirement. Well, a lot of people today are thinking about it in the future, are in the middle of starting it, or are in it. And it's a, a couple of, I thought, fabulous, easy, you're like me, just keep it simple, right? Fifth grade language, yeah. Fifth grade language, little check marks, like, well, have you done this? Have you considered that? Yeah. And it's really helpful. So Well, and I think the, the one you. thing that people forget about is you can be well on your way to retiring, and Chapter 11 is called 22 Risks That Could Ruin Your Day. Oh. And they fail to, you need to manage those risks first. Because think about me, right now, today, with my net worth, if I hit a guy on a motorcycle on the way home today, mm. what do I stand to lose? I mean, so you can be accumulating a big net worth, but if you don't manage those risks, like today, I have legally protected myself. You, you can sue me all you want. I can't stop anybody from suing me, mm -hmm. but they're not getting any of my money. There you go. I mean, been there, done that, got that t-shirt, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I always tell people, you know, don't forget the risk side of the equation. And these are, there's 22 risks that are outlined in chapter 11. At least go there and get that. <laughs> so. And again, it's called the big retirement risk. Pretty yeah. simple to remember. Erin, right. thank you so much. Oh. My goodness. I, you know, yes, we could do a whole nother <laughs> podcast and, and hear hear how things are growing in Zambia and how your training programs are doing. Awesome. You know, it's kind of like I, I give the analogy, Aaron, that when you start a business, you've got your hand in it, right? Mm -hmm. And then pretty soon, fingers start happening, and you just never know where that those right. fingers are going to grow. So lots of encouragement for all of us today. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. And for you listeners, again, let me just up on the screen, it says, if you would like to have her booklet of a lot more uh, pearls of wisdom, nuggets of wisdom, teachable points of view, just send me an email. I'd love to hear from you anyway. I'll answer you. I'll talk to you. Pick up the phone anytime I'm here. And it's all about living your brand, understanding that you can stay authentic, just like Aaron has and is, and be very successful. You don't have to become somebody you think you should be because that's what you think the boss wants you to be. Forget about that. So until next time, we will see you with another great guest like Aaron. Thank you so much. Thank you, Valerie. That was awesome. It. Loved you. it. Wow. Mm. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.